0: We didn't raise a lot of capital like a lot of the later ones did. We 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 came with this entrepreneur kind of mindset first, right? Raise what you need, right now. Prove yourself, and then go raise later. So our seed round was 300k. Like we were wow, a market pro- yeah. Our wow. seed round was 300- We we were pure bear market. 300k. We raised it from uh, a small trading group, trading dojo. Raised it there. We built it. Poc or MVP. We went and presented at Rise Hong Kong, which was a tech con- conference. So we went and presented there. Everyone loved it. We instantly got a hundred signups and we're like, okay, validated. Now time to raise the private sale. As soon as that happens, I think a month later, the bear market is hard. We're like, shit, we can't raise. That's uh, brutal. So basically the co-founders, one of the co-founders, he put like 200,000 in. I put in whatever I could and we just all worked on sweat equity and that's this is the benefit of a bear market. Everyone who joined us during this period was purely into building what we, you know, was into what we were doing. Right. It wasn't about the money and they're here. So we built a fantastic team around that two-year bear market, three-year bear market. Slowly, it was building piece by piece and pivot uh, into what, what it is now. Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi
1: with Brad Nickel. I am excited today to have Reggie Giraffe of two uh, companies, Gaff Capital. Is that the proper name? Is, is it the proper name for the, for the fund? Gaff Capital Partners. Gaff Capital Partners and then Gather. Is there a full name for it? Gather Network. I connected with the guys at Gaff Capital Partners because I'm advising a project called Walken that they are participating in and have been absolutely just awesome partners with that project. I've been so impressed with them. So I wanted to get the guy on the show from GAF and get a little bit more insight, but then I got a bonus because I found out you guys have a really cool project that you're working on. So Reggie, if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little about yourself and uh, your background and how you ended up in this world.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. So my name is Reggie. My name is actually of Jarrett, but everyone just calls me Reggie. I started my career, like I've been all over. Came to, I'm based in Dubai, been here about 25 years. Came here when I was like two, three months till when there was nothing here. No fences, wow. buildings, nothing. There was one street, basically.
1: Dude, that uh, must have been crazy to see that grow.
0: Oh, yeah. Over the years, you're like, okay, how much more can they do? And just keeps going and going. Wow. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I went, when I was about 11, immigrated to Canada. I was there about five years or six years or so. Back to Dubai, then spent maybe four years, five years in the UK. Back to Dubai again. I ended up joining my family business in the oil and gas. And I looked after the division of services and maintenance for the rigs and other you know, oil field related equipment. I looked after the bases in Iraq and India. So I spent about two years on and off in North Iraq, Kurdistan and Basra. And then because ISIS invaded at that point, I wanted to get out of oil and gas because I was there when that happened, which was a hell of a experience to put it that way. Yeah,
1: That'll teach you some lessons that under pressure, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, for sure. When you work in in a conflict zone, there's no laws. There's no rules. There's nothing. It's <laughs> very different. Yeah. Wow. Uh yeah, I left left oil and gas. I joined Publicist Group, which is a very large marketing company, integrated marketing company. I was there with them for a while. I hopped around a couple of marketing agencies. And then I found out my first startup. Uh, which was it started as a basic concierge service. I I think I was just scrolling nine gag or something and I saw the someone texted someone be like, Hey, Magic, or whatever the name was, can you please deliver a pizza to my door? And I'm like, that is amazing. I'm like, <laughs> I need to do this. <clears throat> so that's how it started. But then Pulse pivoted. Bit basically became like, if you know what Deliveroo or Uber Eats is, right? Sure. That tech stack at the back end plus the writers. So we built all that out and we were working with banks, with supermarkets, a bunch of retailers. And yeah, I exited, you can call it an exit. And then what did I do after? That's when I got into crypto property. My first exposure to cryptocurrency was in 20. 20- 12 or 13 wow, that's and awesome. I was, yeah, I was just looking to buy some goods online. And basically I didn't know Bitcoin was fungible at all at that point. And I just saw the price was like 600 pounds. So me and my roommate being, you know, broke Unikids were like, screw this, we'll just buy Litecoin or yeah, <laughs> that's what we did. And yeah, getting properly into crypto post my startup, I started coal mining a lot because I found the idea of proof of work specifically very, very interesting. And I just started home mining with NiceHash. I think it was XMR and a bunch of other Monero-based um, coins, or I forgot what the algorithm's called, coins that, and just went from there. Kryptonite coins, yeah. A bunch of Kryptonite-based coins. And that, that's how I got into it. And I really liked the idea of Proof of Work. And around that time, I was hired as a consultant for a publisher. They came to me and they're like, hey, we want you to help us monetize our content without using ads. And I'm like, this uh, is an interesting problem. Nice, yeah. So, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I went around, I you know did as much research as I could, and I found something called Coinhive. So, Coinhive was the first JavaScript-based Monero miner. Yeah, it became famous because they were used by Pirate Bay, and Pirate Bay didn't uh, tell anyone that they were using it. It was basically hidden mining, and they were making good money. Eventually, Pirate Bay did come out and say, hey, we're using uh, CoinHive, et cetera, to mine and earn revenue because they can't earn it legitimately. Right. That idea, trade processing power for revenue, I'm like, that's genius. That's scalable. That can work. However, how they execute it, coming from the advertising industry, coming from the marketing industry, I knew by major publishers, it wouldn't be acceptable. It didn't have the bells and whistles. And that's what laid the foundation for Gather version one which was very simple back then it was we we're mining whatever the most profitable cryptocurrency was at the time and paying out the publisher. And we had our token, which had use cases in the ecosystem.
1: So essentially this was browser-based mining as people would visit the website, they would be mining crypto yeah. and the publisher would earn money from that rather than them having to look at ads or, you know, subscribe Payable, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Exactly. very cool. So along that journey. It morphed into what we have now. So gather, you know, it's now a layer one with a layer two being built. by wow. layer one. Yeah, the layer one is based on a permission. It's a fork of Ethereum, which has reduced the memory hardness. And it's a permission. It's permission. So the mining is happening by all your websites, et cetera. Because it's not memory hard, there's no UX issues. That's the one of the biggest complaints about using uh, kryptonite-based coins to web mine is that you notice slowdowns. Because you make it memory light, And not very exhaustive. It's not using system resources heavily. You don't notice it at all. And that's why it has to be prevented. On top of the layer one, there's multiple applications being built and there's a layer two being built as well. And then you have three products and services basically. So you have gather online, which is the alternative form of monetization for uh, developers and uh, websites. You have gather cloud, which is decentralized cloud computing alternative, like you have existing today. Oh, interesting. And then you have Gathered Enterprise, which is a boutique arm, which on one side helps large marquee clients come to the blockchain space. We help develop custom solutions for them, uh, and they use our blockchain layer one. And the other side is incubation. We incubate projects, founders, because we've gone through the whole hoops. What do they need to do? Their tokenomics, all that stuff. And yeah, uh, we're coming to that. We did our private sale sometime in 2021 or 22, institutionally backed. And yeah, so in terms of numbers, Right now, Gather Online is growing well. We started, like we launched in January, we're doing 25 or 30% month-on-month growth with the conversion rate now reaching 18%. Wow. publishers are earning good money from it, where we have one of our first fiat paying contracts, which is with a cannabis company in, based in New York. We're helping them accept retail debit cards instead of users having to pay cash. And they're right. using that. They're doing that using our blockchain and technology. And that's a $600,000 contract, which we won and are currently developing. We're incubating one project right now, which is basically a decentralized exchange built on uh, the layer one. And why we find that exchange very interesting, we're, we're heavily involved. It provides perps, right? There's leverage, there's a stable coin. And the coolest part, which I like is that you're able to provide higher APY and APO to People providing capital because the liquidity that's deposited into the protocol isn't actually lent to projects, right? For liquidity and market making, so Dex market makes and uses that liquidity deposit. Nice. You charge those projects interest, and that goes back to the people providing collateral on their stable, so they're earning more than you would get on, let's say UST or etc. Wow, um, that's awesome. That's Yeah, that's Gather in a nutshell.
1: So Gather's doing a lot that engages with the cork tech that you were talking about, which is essentially people browsing media websites and they are, they give permission for some processing power to be used to in the background mine crypto while they're viewing those websites. And then that money that's mined goes to the publishers who would otherwise have to use ads or charge subscriptions. That's one facet of the core tech that you're using, correct? Correct. Right?
0: Yeah, so it goes on from there. As a publisher, I can also opt to share part of my earnings with my users. That increases lo- stickiness, essentially.
1: What are they mining? Is it a ga- gather, to- to gather token that they're mining, or is it some they're, other?
0: They're securing the layer one. So they'd be paid out uh, in gather tokens. And then because other uh, coins can, or other projects can come and deploy on top, and we're securing those coins as well via merge mining, those tokens at a later date will also be paid out to our publishers, but right now for the time being, it's just the gather token.
1: Very cool. And so then the the incub, so then there's the gather cloud, which uses the same tech, but is using it for providing processing power. So it's harvesting the the processing power from people visiting sites or whatever, but it's in using that processing power to power cloud compute uh, AI, whatever people may need to have extra processing power for. Is that also something where that's an offering that you guys can make to publishers to say, Hey, I've got these enterprise clients that need processing power instead of mining, you can actually provide processing power to those companies and get paid for it. Is that how it works?
0: So a couple of things there. Down the line that will be an offering to publishers instead of having to mine or secure the blockchain. Right. That yes, you could offer process, specifically only certain types of processing power. Majority of that network that for cloud decentralized uh, compute is actually supported by masternodes uh, or storage and processing power going forward. But down the line, limited use cases would be via the browser itself or native mobile apps, if you will.
1: Nice. Oh, wait, does your network have a, ma- is it a masternode network?
0: It is a, it's a hybrid network.
1: Oh, very nice. Very nice. I I was I was heavily engaged with the masternode world for a while and watched that money, all of that uh, masternode work go away. But that was a product of green. that was a product of twenty eighteen and twenty the big yeah. market. Um, that's very cool. And then so on the incubation front, you guys are just incubating projects. That dex is it? It's not making use of that same technology. You guys are just bringing your expertise to launching products and businesses. But the dex will be on your chain, or is this just? Yeah. Okay.
0: The DEX will be on our chain. And the original reason why we were, you know, we we're looking at the DEX is that over time, you're going to have more projects, more companies deploy on the L1. And the DEX is actually most pairs initially will be denominated in the native stable. So we needed a DEX that was purpose-built that could, that was on top of the gather L1. That's how it came up. And then once we actually, with the whole team, we went into it, we saw, we could add a bunch of really innovative features like, the protocol-based liquidity where you're lending it out to new projects, which is a right. virtuous cycle. Your projects always need liquidity to list. You market make for them on the DEX, you give them liquidity, you charge them, give it back to the users. It's a good cycle that way.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That that makes a ton of sense. Um, and did you say it's EVM compatible because it's an Ethereum fork? So other dApps can move over to you guys.
0: Other dApps can move over to us. And I think one of the big, biggest beauties is that because this whole blockchain at the L1 at least is secured, purely by millions at scale, millions and millions of devices. Decentralization at your core, but it is permission because the main reason is if you open it up to anyone can come and actually secure the blockchain, Any someone could just bought the network very easily because it's not really hard. So that's why it has it. Got it. That makes sense. Do you
1: have people that are just like, so it... Is, every, is this up and running now and you have people that are actively participating and mining and masternodes and the whole bit? What's the status overall of you? You're growing revenue, obviously, so that's great.
0: So three, three services, right? So Gather Online, Gather Cloud, Gather uh, Enterprise. So Gather Online is live. It's growing month-on-month, month, conversion rates going up. Great. Gather Cloud currently has, to the point where we can monetize, it's about three services already out of seven before we go and monetize that with the public. Masternodes, people have already locked up tokens and because we did a first come, first serve kind of system with the masternodes. And if you see with masternodes, one of the issues you saw, you lock up collateral, right? Right. Imagine excuse me, for, for uh, lower cap coins, if someone releases a masternode and they sell on market, that's going to cause price impact. Sure. So what we did is we actually created an NFT representing the ownership of the masternode. So if you wanted to exit, you just sell your NFT. Nice. So you're not having primary market or secondary market impact. So yeah, coming back to the master note, that we have about 98 or 103 nodes pre-allocated. Three out of seven services already. We just invited developers to come and test some of the cloud services. So it's the internal file transfer service, the runtime service, and the containers as a service. I'll come test those out. And then in terms of gather enterprise, yeah. So we have our first contract, which is now in development, I think, four months, three months. The uh, basically retailers, a lot of these cannabis stores, people are paying in cash because of laws, etc. So what happens here, they, they can come accept debit cards, uh, credit cards using our technology. And, you know, that helps the retailer a lot, lowers risk of cash, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that, that was 600000 It looks like the scope might increase. We don't know. That's, you know, going further. That's the first contract we landed. There are actively more leads happening. And that's fiat-based revenue. And those transactions will actually settle on the gather L1 as well. So there's like more utility to the uh, ecosystem. On Gather or Liberty DEX is what the DEX is called. The entry point into this ecosystem, into this DEX is by, via Gather tokens. Basically, if you want to be able to get, you want to lend ca- collateral capital to be able to get these higher APYs and APRs, you need to have Gather. as entry as the first entry point. Once you get the other native DEX token, you're going to be able to get your APYs and APRs participate in governance and any new project that comes and lists on the dex, they actually have to, you know, provide an air draw to all the holders. So just, it's a good cycle that way. And yeah, the dex itself is uh, ready, like in terms of just a basic decentralized exchange. Now these features, which I discussed are in development and we're looking at about a quarter or so before it goes live.
1: Awesome. So... How has it been for you guys? Look, it, it's a competitive market now in the L1 world. So, how has it been for you guys building community and getting people engaged? On one hand, you're making it a hell of a lot easier to participate in securing the chain, right, than anything else on the market. And so there's an opportunity to earn. But on the other hand, a big part of the job is recruiting dApps and mm-hmm. bringing traffic on board and having enough liquidity and all of that good stuff. How, kind of where are you in that stage? And what are you guys? What are you guys having to go through to try to do that and recruit? Is that a difficult process?
0: So I think post our, our private sale, it, we really couldn't do much until we had at least one or two products online. 2020 or 2021, wherever it was, till, now, till about maybe three months ago, everything was just purely speculation because we didn't have a chain that was ready. We didn't have Gather Online, cloud or anything. It was just purely spec based. Now it's very different while markets are, you know, horrible right now. Now we're seeing interest. We are seeing people come and testing out the public mainnet. They're deploying smart contracts. They're playing around it. And we're seeing that happening now. Well, but we did work on building the groundwork and foundations for international communities where, but since I think three months ago, we're going heavier into events, more exposure, more education. We, we've switched our marketing because we have something we can actually sell and people can use now, right? Right. Versus right. one year ago, what are you going to do? Exactly,
1: exactly. What, um, how do people get gathered to get onto the network? Do they, can they bridge it or do they have to buy, they can't bridge it. It's not on other chains, but do they buy it on an exchange and then enter or.
0: So you can, you can, there's an ERC, we saw it as an ERC, right? So Uh you can get it as ERC. You can, there's a bridge right now over to BFC and our mainnet. Oh, cool. Uh, So then you can have it both ways. And then, yeah, it's on various exchanges and DEX as well. Nice. Very nice. This sounds like a powerful offering.
1: I hadn't digested it when I looked at the website the other day, what you guys were really doing, but
0: we're revamping that, like the messaging part of growing and focusing on so many, having so many things going on, yeah. I think is uh, keeping the brand on point was a little hard and now we're going through a very hard uh, revamp.
1: It's a brutal thing when you have multiple target markets in one organization. I, I, I've dealt with this a number of times to get a user, a visitor on a path right? it's You want publishers down one path. You want dApps coming in or devs that are curious going down another path. You want consumer people, members, community members going down another path. That's hard. That is really a difficult task.
0: Yeah. That's why you have these sub-brands were essentially created, right? So there's a demarcation and each with their own, I wouldn't say distinct at this point, but down the line, they'd be further, they, they would be distinct from each other. They would have their own messaging, et cetera, clear USBs and what the target audience would be and how their marketing strategies would differ.
1: Yeah, that's cool. What and look, you always have the the cart and horse problem, right? You not have, you you need the community to support the DApps, you need the DApps to drive the community, and that's a painful juggling act. It's a two sided marketplace problem. When you guys are pitching to DApps, what or developers, what's the the pitch that you're making to them about why they should be on here?
0: So it's more of an integrated pitch, right? Because we don't go after one developer specifically. The route we look at it like. Just try to picture this, right? Sure. So at one arm, we have the incubation. You come in as a developer. You have some fantastic idea. Great. We'll help you. We stay away from one man teams right now. Like you should have at least someone else and some kind of fleshed out idea. Yeah. Uh, not not a webby one- nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we've had our <laughs> experience with one man teams, and it's just too much of a resource suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, totally. Uh, agree. Yeah.
0: So you have some form of alpha or a team in place. You, you need help with tokenomics. You need help with fundraising. You need help with a few other things. We get you past all those points, right? And now what happens is that you can come and list on your first exchange, the decentralized chain, Liberty Dex. You want, already have instant liquidity. So USPs are there nice. in Nice. And you don't have to worry about security of the chain because, hey, there's a lot of familiar devices securing it. That's awesome. That's great. That's great.
1: Are you able to onboard new community members through the publisher sites? Is there an opportunity that you're communicating with them of what kind of this thing is and Gather is and the opportunity to not only be there and provide processing power, but also maybe join Gather itself?
0: It's very interesting because I think there was some video someone made. I I don't know exactly. It was some Portuguese video. We have no idea who they were they just came to did a random review of us and they did the whole walkthrough like from signing up to getting approved and then sticking the code on their site and he just blasted it to his followers. So all those people just came in to, I think it was Portuguese uh, community and we just got a bunch of publishers. But to come back to the question, once we enable the loyalty program and you're getting you know tokens in the hand of the end user specifically, is when you're going to see a lot more people come to the Telegram and be like, hey, what can I do with these tokens? Can I stake yeah. them? Where can I use them in the ecosystem? Yeah, I, I believe the loyalty program will be very powerful for that. Some are just going to sell it because extra money, for sure. Of course.
1: But no, but I think it's I think it's a powerful, look, I think there's a powerful connection there to get that attention. That's great. That's awesome. Wow. How many people on your team for Gather right now?
0: Oh, part-time, full-time, on-demand, 50-something. Oh, wow. That's yeah. sizable, man. But off that, I think 19 to 21 are full-time and the rest are like park specialists, basically. That's still and, a good team. Yeah. And how it works is see, we didn't raise a lot of capital like a lot of the layer ones did. We, we we came with this entrepreneur kind of mindset first, right? Raise what you need right now, prove yourself, and then go raise later. So our seed run was 300K. Like we were wow. a bear market. Pro- yeah. Our wow. seed round was, 300- we, we were pure bear market. 300K, we raised it from uh, a small trading group, trading dojo, raised it there. We built it. POC or MVP, we went to present it at Rise Hong Kong, which was a tech con- conference that used to happen every year. Interestingly enough, that's where Travis Kalanek raised his first round for Uber. Oh, Back wow. That's the little- interesting. Yeah. So we went and presented there. Everyone loved it. We instantly got a hundred signups. I'm like, okay, validated. Now time to raise the private sale. As soon as that happens, I think a month later, the bear market is hard. We're like, shit, we can't raise. That's uh, brutal. So... Basically, the co-founders, one of the co-founders, he put like 200000 in. I put in whatever I could, and we just all worked on sweat equity. And that's, this is the benefit of a bear market. Everyone who joined us during this period was purely into building what we, you know, was into what we were doing. Right. It wasn't about the money, and they're here. <clears throat> so we built a fantastic team around that two-year bear market, three-year bear market. Slowly, it was building piece by piece and pivot uh, into what what it is now. And then we had the private sale. And... When, when the bull market just began. Nice. Nice. That's awesome.
1: That's great. Look, at the end of the day, the stronger projects are going to be the ones that had to go through the hard times. And that's, that builds character as my mother would always tell me whenever I was whining about something, I definitely want to take a deeper dive. Do you guys have like documentation stuff on the website that I can everything climb in and learn more about it? Cause this sounds really powerful. It sounds like a good opportunity. Okay. Anything else we should know about Gather? I'll post links up in the show notes to everybody, to the website and Twitter and everything, but anything else you think we should know about?
0: From a publisher's perspective, one of the most important things I would say is that you don't have to run Gather exclusively. uh, This is something we noticed, right? Because there were publishers who just came to us be like, hey, we just want more money. We don't care about our audience. We're going to bombard them with ads and we're going to, you know, run Gather as well. I'm like, It's your choice, right? Yeah. yeah. Gathers a better user experience. So like, we don't care. So you can actually run it with ads. I don't advocate for that. Right. If you want to, it's. So you could have multiple streams of revenue and you could theoretically
1: have a paywall on top of that if you wanted to, I guess. You could. If you really don't care about your audience, holy shit. (laughs) What's the integration like on the, for the publishers? Is there a lot of work?
0: Right now it's not the cleanest, I'll be honest. It's about a four-step process. So you sign up, you get approved because Sometimes you have people running like illegal websites and stuff like that. So when right. I get approved, which is about 24 hours, it's just three lines of code. You generate stick on the back, uh, back end of your website. Now, what we're working on is WordPress based integrations, uh, oh, Sure,
1: Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah.
0: If I, yeah. if there was a plugin, that'll make it a lot easier. Yeah,
1: definitely. That's really cool, man. I'm actually, as somebody in the content creation world, I'm actually really fascinated by this. So I definitely want to, I'll take a deeper dive on it, but I also think we- I love that you have the multiple streams of revenue and target markets.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's where it came from. We're like, we, we're building a layer one. That whole that idea stemmed from the fact that we cannot have something like Kryptonite and browser mining that because it's just a horrible user experience. It's slowdowns, et cetera. Yeah. And we realized we have to have our own L1 to do this. And then part of the way, like we have our own L1, why aren't we exploiting this more? How it came from. And by the way, if you, uh, there are other like, like one big content creator that is using Gather right now. It's called, I don't know if you've heard of the Bad Crypto Podcast.
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. They they started using Gather Online for a while back. Nice. Like a couple months as well.
1: I think it makes a ton of sense. It's funny. A, a few months ago, I interviewed a guy just because of a hobby project. He created a, um, a, a browser-based NFT minting system. And it's on Ethereum mainnet. But essentially... We, Rather than going through the normal minting process, it's using processing power on your machine to actually provision and mint the NFT. I don't know the details of how it functions, but I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. I said, have you thought about utilizing this technology elsewhere? If you have this kind of mining, it's not, you're not mining Ethereum, so it's not the same thing, but it was pretty, it was a pretty powerful model. And so at the time I thought, why aren't more people going back to that kind of processing utilizing processing model right we've got all these computers connecting and most of them are just sitting on websites right most people are not running much in the way of applications on their computers and why couldn't they use it to to profit to take part in networks etc so this is fascinating really powerful
0: i think a big issue with that is because we we did come across that hurdle a while back and the biggest thing is twofold one is the damage that Coinhive did because their product did not our product is completely consent-based. You are informed of what you're doing, right? Like we have a streaming website based in the Middle East. Like they're basically like the Netflix for Arabic content called Shoofmax. And they're using us, but it's all purely consent-driven. And the way CoinHive did it was because it's based on mining Monero. So immediately your fans turn on, your computer slows down, and you don't even know what the hell's happening. That caused a lot of problems, stigma perspective. But then once people started actually using it and, see, and saw that there was no heat up, there, were, there was no slowdown, nothing, you couldn't notice it and it was ethical, it was being, that's an acceptance part. But that that was, you know, the major issue was- That's the hurdle you have
1: to overcome. Yeah. That perception that kind of harmed the whole uh, brand segment, the whole market segment. Yeah. Look, I think that's something that'll become more and more obvious to people. All right. So at the same time, you're a partner in GAF Capital Partners, right? Yep. And- all right, so first of all, I met Gaff. I met the guys from Gaff because you're partnered with Walken, one of my, one of the clients I advise and love Walken and love, I've just loved the interaction with Gaff. Like I've been so impressed. I've worked with a lot of venture capitalists and a lot of funds in my life. And just, you guys never stopped working on behalf of these guys. Like you were just, everybody on the team was just cranking for them. I'm curious, can you give us a background on GAF, how it came about? Why it came about, how many people, all that good stuff, and sure. That kind of thing.
0: I think it was last year or yeah, last year, March. I called up Shahab. And I was like, we went to high school. Me, me, Shahab, Tariq, Firas. Who else am I missing? We all went to the same school. Me and wow. Shahab were in the same grade. Tariq and Firas were in the same grade. Yeah. I called, I met Shahab after many years and we just, I got to know, he was in crypto. He got to know I was in crypto and we just sat down and we started talking and we started doing, talking about, oh, what have you been investing in, et cetera. And we did a couple of exchanges, stuff like that. And then I'm like, why don't we, look, we've been here 25 years. We've all local homegrown. Right. We know the, the market. We see people are coming here. Why don't we start something? And then that's when everyone came together. We had our first meeting. And at that point, it was Firas, Shahab, Sheikh Moala, Rahul, and me. So, I, or Ilya might've joined a little later. We had our first, and Tariq, yeah. We had our first meeting. It was in a bar, I think, somewhere. I, I can't, I, no, it was no bars. It was some restaurant or something. We just met. And we spoke about this. Okay, we can do this because we had the expertise, right, between all of us. Like Rahul comes from that PE background, Firas coming from his background, family, a business in multiple domains, Shahab, Tariq having heavy crypto experience, me being as a founder, and then Sheikh Mala as well, yeah. NFTs, et cetera. So we said, we have the expertise and dealing with so many VCs, you see a big problem with the majority of these VCs, there's like, in all honesty, shit after support.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. To- completely.
0: So that's where we tried to set ourselves apart. We made our first investment and I think it was D travel. Yeah. D travel was our first investment. And then a few others along the way, and we our names started to get there. And then Hubertus, who was the founder, chairman of the Tezos Foundation, he really? joined us. Nice. Uh, somewhere along that line, uh, along that time. Then our names started to get more and more. Because at this point, projects were coming into the vibe. Nice. And people were coming here. So people would come to us, hey, we need this help with set up with our, our company, etc. And us being here for so long, we knew how to do it. And our name just started to spread more and more, and that gave us more access. It was very constant, like to honesty for us and Shahab, like how they're managing the things going forward and the interactions with Rahul Ilya uh, taking on walking as well, because that's a core ether support provided here. And that's how we just went forward. And then I think at the beginning of Meta Week, we, we were major sponsors for a lot of different events. Then our name just started going more and more. Now it's, yeah, that's where, it, where it's reached.
1: It's cool. It's ethos, time, right place. Like, it all came together. You guys had the right attitude, the right skill set, the right background. You were, the timing was good. And you are in a place that's exploding with crypto and everybody's moving too.
0: Ah, and I think also, so it was last year, October. Yeah. So me and Ravel, along with two other people, we were the organizers for the crypto fight night. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Sure. So we organized. Yeah. So Uh, Gather and Gaff were Spain sponsors. So we organized that. And that's where, again, there was a lot of focus on gaps specifically there. And yeah. that's where I think the first interaction with Roy happened. That's where that happened. And Nikos obviously ended up kind of further into how we got on the walk-in, et cetera.
1: Do you guys have uh, a thesis that you follow or is it, you're just looking for kind of innovation, cool projects, cool teams in the space? What, how do you guys approach what you want to invest in?
0: So for us and Shahab, are the managing partners, right? Now, in terms of thesis, they, they will take the uh, mostly end decisions when it comes to or, or sourcing, like the heavy load on sourcing deals. When it comes to thesis right now, I can say there's been a large emphasis on P2E because okay. of the sector in space. So it's high driven, but there is, we have gone into a few infrastructure protocols as well, because infrastructure is all, it's one of those like high risk, but extremely high reward plays. So we've gone into infrastructure because there's innovation involved there. But right now there's definitely a lot of focus on NFTs metaverse and p2e. yeah
1: that yeah, makes sense played earn makes sense totally yeah uh, i was uh, like i said uh, the interactions with Walkin have just been fantastic obviously you guys are doing things right in terms of your investments are you guys just tokens token equity how have the deals been shaken out for you
0: majority would be tokens but there are hybrid rounds that happen yeah but no no pure equities yeah just there's always tokens yeah there's always talking to that okay, cool.
1: and are you guys comfortable disclosing kind of your um average investment sizes, the kinds of rounds you like to get into, or you prefer be seed private whatever what, what's your it approach? depends
0: on the project, but we definitely don't like to be seed to private is definitely the uh, sweet spot if you will right and ticket size can raise like there's outliers definitely, but I don't think the the lowest will never be more or less than fifty thousand. Mid range would probably be 200, 250,000. And then there's outliers that go. So. Yeah. But that's yeah. A very thing.
1: Okay. So you guys are just early. You want to be early. You want to be, you want to find. A, yeah. How many investments have you made so far? You've only been at this like a year, right? Well, I think we're touching 70 something, 70. Holy crap,
0: man. It, uh,
1: no wonder. Poor for us.
0: God. Uh, yeah.
1: They're working themselves to death.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there, there's someone who joined to help with after support and stuff because. The after support is is a key aspect. That's the key
1: to your success, right? It's the fact that you build strong relationships and then you are going to help these teams succeed, which to me has always been, there are a few great players in the space that are good investors and do that. But for the most part, the guys who like, who don't, it's just been always astounding to me. It's like, why would I, why would you be in this space and not help your portfolio companies succeed. I d- I've never gotten it. And sometimes I just think it's because they don't know what to do and they're just money. And so they don't have a clue how to run a successful business. And that's why that happens. But it, to me, it's amazing.
0: Absolutely amazing. So coming from the flip side as a founder, right? That's something I noticed when you raise a private round, there are some VCs who helped. They really help with like introductions, partnerships, right. feedback, sounding board. And there's some, hey, when the tokens do? Like straight up. I'm like, exactly, hey, man. But the ones that help are still sticking around. They give advice, etc. It's good. And that's how it has to be. The guys who don't help, who don't actually add value, especially the, the reason to come in early is also because the earlier you are, the more impact you can have. Right. For example, if you do the tokenomics and they're not completely built out, you can be like, hey, this might not fly for X, Y, Z reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, to me, is one of the biggest weaknesses in most of the projects I look at is nobody really knows how to do this. And it takes a cumulative group of brains who've done it over and over again To be able to help you think through all the pitfalls like i would i'm the last guy that would plan tokenomics just because that's just not my brain does not function in those heck yeah product yet tokenomics don't ask me i can look at something and tell you whether it works or not but i sure as hell can't it's just not my thing but and i think that's a i think that's a problem for a lot of projects is they don't have people that have been through it enough times to say oh yeah, this is, you're going to get completely dumped on and you're going to be worthless in six months. Yeah. I think that's a great piece of the puzzle for you guys to provide. That's awesome.
0: We have a good find, like numbers guys and our teams and people are, you know, experienced with tokenomics. Like you, I can look at tokenomics. I can tell whether if they're good or not. Right. Writing a tokenomics document, because most projects or a lot of projects will have their own emission systems or sinks or whatever it may be. Writing one from scratch is not exactly my forte, but tech or the business side and strategy of how you're going to acquire users is better et cetera. That's where I really come I in and technical for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. And what's cool is you guys put together a strong team with multiple skill sets, right? And yeah. oftentimes these funds are a couple of people and they'll have some good skills of one set or another, but you guys have a combined group that can really provide uh, a lot of expertise. That's-
0: A lot of complementary value is what we're seeing. Yeah,
1: that's great. That's really good. What companies that are looking to get? Are you guys introductory only? Are you guys take cold intros from people that are coming we'll into the website? Take cold intros. For yeah, sure. Go ahead.
0: just drop us. Uh, we have a contact form on the website. Just drop it. Drop us. they were very responsive, honestly. If well, we're not interested, we're going to tell you why. We're going to reach out to you and be like, "Hey, either the tokenomics aren't good, or you don't have the right cap table, well, or whatever the reason." You will have some form of feedback, but we're not going to just leave you hanging. Well, you know.
1: That's awesome. That's another big problem in the VC world is is people not getting a straight answer or not getting any answer. <laughs> it's for real. Definitely a problem. Absolutely. That's fantastic, man. Is there anything else that, that the world needs to know about you guys? I'm just so impressed with both uh, facets of this. I, I really apologize. I didn't I hadn't had taken a deep dive into gather yet. I'm really blown away by what you're building. And I, I think there's a lot of opportunities there, but GAF was my introduction to you guys and of course was already impressed there.
0: In terms of Gather, I, I don't know if there's much more to say. Uh, I just, if you want to, if you're a publisher, sign up at Gather gatheronline.gather.network. On, yeah. In, in terms of Gaff, if you're a project, you need assistance in fundraising or you're looking to raise funds, hit us up. We look at everything. If it's something of interest, you will hear back. Honestly, we're, we're no bunch of guys, seriously. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Reggie, thank you so much for your time, man. This was really uh, informative and entertaining. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me on, Brad. It was a pleasure.